Hello. Welcome to The Legend of Robin Hood of Sherwood. This podcast is a member of the History Podcasters Network. Please go to www.historypodcasters.com where you will see a directory of a load of other really great podcasts and some more very interesting features. It really is worth a visit and I encourage you to go and do so. So, on with the show. Chapter 13, The Pinner of Wakefield. Good King Richard the Lionheart languished in an Austrian jail. His faithful minstrel Blondel brought back to England news of his master's condition. The people, rich and poor alike, redoubled their efforts to raise the money to bring their monarch home. Robin Hood and the Merry Men of Sherwood were particularly enthusiastic about collecting the king's ransom. No bishop, abbot, knight or squire who was known to be a supporter of Prince John was safe. A lot of booty was collected and the Release the King Fund grew. Even while the collecting was going on though, Prince John's intriguing didn't abate. Only loyal men such as Ranulf, Earl of Chester, prevented the crown being wrested deceitfully from the missing king's head. But it was not only the loyal barons who held out for the king. Men of much humbler birth also put their lives and livelihoods on the line for the captured ruler. One of these was a pinner from Yorkshire. His profession was simple. He had to catch any sheep or cattle which were found loose on the roads or in random fields. The tools of his trade were various prodding devices and a pen near the centre of his town in which the captured animals were put. This man, though, was no simple pinner. Georgia Green, the pinner of Wakefield, had a sideline. Traitors against the king were also captured and pounded. Forces were sent to Wakefield to capture the man who pounded traitors, but George won victory after victory against them. He was a handsome and powerful man who was very skilful with virtually every weapon. Not only was he the darling of the people for his dashing deeds, he was also a highly desirable bachelor. His heart, though, had been lost to one woman, Betris, daughter of a supporter of King John called Grimes. Given their opposing views as to the merits of the king's brother, it took a long time for Grimes to agree to let his daughter marry George, but after many adventures and proving of himself, George eventually persuaded his future father-in-law that he was made of the right stuff. The stories of George Green, his penning of traitors and the tribulations of his love life made him famous, maybe as famous as Robin Hood. Certainly his fame was enough for news of it to reach Sherwood. The news arrived in the form of a wandering minstrel who sang ballads about the bravery and strength of the Pinner of Wayfield and the beauty of his Betris. Robin was quite impressed, but Marion seemed a little perturbed. Robin noticed and inquired as to the source of her apparent melancholy. Well, Robin, it seems to me that it was your name on the lips of the minstrels and now this Georgia Green has taken your place. Where once they sang of Robin and Marion, now they praise George and Betris. Men say that this George could beat Robin Hood with the quarterstaff. I think we should travel to Wakefield. Maybe you should find out. Robin Hood laughed. OK, fair Marion, we will go to Wakefield immediately. It's spring and it's the time for adventure. We will disguise ourselves. You can be a forester. We will go quietly and not with too many men. Let's only take Will and Little John. They'll enjoy the trip. I think Georgia Green will be in for a surprise and a sore head when we take him on. A few days later, Georgia Green and Betris were strolling in the countryside outside Wakefield. They were discussing the tribulations associated with their impending marriage when Betris spotted some figures in the distance. Look, there are four men breaking through the hedge. George, stop them. They're going to trample the corn. Georgia Green unleashed his booming voice. 
Get back, you foolish men. But the men didn't get back. In fact, the leader replied haughtily, Who are you to tell us what to do? We are four brave foresters, and you seem to be a simple yeoman. Get back, or I will make you. No, replied the leader of the foresters. You must be mad. Georgia Green had had enough. Get back. You have no right to walk across the corn, whoever you are. Were you Robin Hood of Sherwood, you have no business trampling the crop. I am Georgia Green, the pinner of Wakefield. I have beaten better men than you with my staff. If you don't turn and leave here, then I will take you on one by one, and I will beat you all. Robin smiled to himself. At least it was his name which came to mind when the pinner was threatening him. He was about to reply, but he was beaten to it by Will Scarlet. Well, said Will, if your deeds match your words, then you could be the king's champion. But empty vessels make the loudest sounds, and you are empty indeed. Will approached George first. Fearsome blows were struck, but within a few minutes Will Scarlet had been laid out on the ground by a tremendous strike from the pinner. Little John stepped forward next. Despite his size and strength, he lasted less time than Will. Pretty soon he was flat on his back next to his comrade. Robin looked on, becoming ever more impressed. Little John had beaten him when they'd met on the bridge in Sherwood, and now Little John had been defeated by this man from Yorkshire. He must have felt a certain amount of trepidation as he stepped forward and demanded his turn. Robin and George set about each other with gusto. Over an hour they fought, trading blow for blow, parry for parry, dodge for dodge. After an exhausting exchange, they finally drew apart and looked at each other with some respect. Robin spoke softly. George Green, he began. Then seeing the look on his opponent's face, he continued. Yes, I know who you are. The minstrels sing of you and your fair Betris, and I wanted to see for myself what all the fuss was about. You are one of the finest fighters I have ever met. It took all my skill and strength simply to match you. I invite you to come with me and wear the Lincoln Green. God knows I could use a man like you. And you are? inquired George. Well, I am Robin Hood. The two men you defeated are Little John and Will Scarlet. Robin Hood? Yes, of course I'll join you. After the Lionheart himself, you are the man I have most often longed to meet. I will certainly be your man. I've outgrown my role here as the Pinner of Wakefield. I will still spend some of my time in Yorkshire, but the rest I will spend in Sherwood. I assume you have room for my Betris too. Robin smiled as Betris stepped forward. As the young woman looked at Robin, the fourth of the foresters took off his hood. It was soon abundantly clear to George and Betris that he was a she. Maid Marian welcomed her new female companion. Little John and Will Scarlet, when they'd stopped feeling too groggy, welcomed George. Neither of them bore a grudge, especially when to do so would have damaged the merry men of Sherwood. That night the four travellers from the forest near Nottingham ate with the pinner of Wakefield and his future wife. The next morning all six set out for Sherwood. The journey was easy and hazard-free. The only slight moment of concern came when they passed a fully armed knight with his visor down. There was no way they could recognise him, but Robin felt a moment of unease. He thought he remembered the way the knight rode his horse. They passed quickly though, and Robin put the worry out of his mind. Sherwood was too far away from Wakefield for them to make the journey in a single day, so Robin led the troop off the main road and towards a dwelling. We will seek shelter, he said. I know a man who lives here, and he owes me a favour. They walked up to the door, and Robin knocked. A man answered cautiously, but then seeing who was at his threshold, he broke into a wide smile. Hello, Robin, said Alan Adale. 
Alan, my friend, we need a roof over our heads for the night. You know little John and Will Scarlet. Let me introduce you to the fair maid Marion and to Georgia Green and his lovely girlfriend, Beatrice. You are most welcome, replied the smiling Alan. The group of friends settled down. Mead was drunk and tales were told. Georgia Green told of his exploits against Prince John. Will Scarlet, the master storyteller, regaled the gathering with stories of taking cash from the corrupt. He was particularly fond of telling how Friar Tuck loved to rob churchmen. Laughter abounded. But suddenly the laughter stopped. There was a knock at the door. Who is it? asked Alan. I'm but a poor soldier alone on a dark night. Please let me in, I need shelter. I'm a follower of the Earl of Chester and I'm fleeing from the vengeance of Prince John. I've heard that a man resides here who will give comfort to those who stand against the evil brother of our great King Richard. Alan was about to open the door, but Will Scarlet motioned for him to stop. He'd been listening attentively at the keyhole while the lonely soldier spoke. You are not alone, he said loudly. Unless the weather has suddenly gained the power of speech, there are people with you. I heard whispering. So no, sir, we will not let you in. Be gone from here if you know what's good for you. The voice on the other side of the door changed its tone. Where it had been pleading, it became forceful. Open this door or we will break it down. Aha, replied Georgia Green. We, you say. You are most certainly not alone, sir. There was no reply. There was no need for a reply. Unless, of course, the loud banging of a group of men trying to break down a solid oak door counts as a reply. Robin, Will, John and George withdrew to the back of the room and drew their swords. Then they strung their bows and waited. Marion did the same. Betris, somewhat less accustomed to fighting alongside men, armed herself with a spit from the fire. Before long, the door gave way and fourteen armed men surged through it. In the middle of the invading band was the knight the party had met on the road from Wakefield. Fourteen were soon eleven, as three arrows struck their targets. Alan Dale struck another down with his sword. The odds had been reduced, but it was still ten against seven. The remaining soldiers charged forward. The merry men and women fought back. George wielded his cudgel, taking out two more of the invaders. Marion parried a blow meant for Robin, wielded by the unknown knight. The man who aimed it then fell insensible to the floor as he was hit on the head by a cooking pot thrown by Betris. Marion stood over him, her sword placed at his throat. She commanded him to call off his men, otherwise he would die. Mercy, sir, replied the knight, mistaking Marion for the forester she was disguised as. Men, lay down your arms. As soon as he spoke, Robin and his men knew who he was. Ha! Guy of Gisborne, exclaimed Marion, throwing off her disguise. You have been defeated by a woman. Many times you've tried to take our lives, and many times you have failed. Again you fail, failure knight. Now, swear your solemn oath that you will not seek vengeance against the man who gave us shelter. Swear you will never again seek me, Robin, or any of the brave men of Sherwood. If you do, you will live. And if you break your oath, there will be no mercy, added Robin. Guy of Gisborne did as he was asked. Then, without another word, he left taking his men with him. A few moments later he was out of sight. The vows of a false knight, though, are worth about as much as the Greek economy. Sir Guy would not keep his. Robin, I love this life you live, exclaimed Georgia Green. I am so glad we are joining your band. Georgia Green, you will be a very welcome addition to our bank of merry men. 
you and Beatrice may come to Robber's Glade and make your homes with us. Beatrice spoke up. Georgia Green, you have failed in your duty to your future wife. I will not rest until I can wield a sword and fight with the skill of Maid Marian. The night passed in laughter and song. The next morning, a little worse for wear, they continued on to Sherwood. George was expecting to find men dressed in Lincoln Green, attacking corrupt noblemen at every turn, but all was quiet. Not a soul did they see. Not, that is, until late evening, on the road through Sherwood, near where the path to Robber's Glade left the main track. Robin heard something. He motioned to the others to stop and be quiet. Then he ushered them behind a large bush and beckoned for them to peep over. Will Scarlet lasted all of four seconds before collapsing into fits of silent giggles. A few yards from the bush, with his back to them, stood Friar Tuck. Knelt on the ground before him were two terrified priests. "'Money! Money!' shouted the friar. "'Give me your money now. I am tasked with collecting for King Richard's ransom.' "'But, sir, we have none,' came a trembling answer. "'Then you may come with me and eat at the table of the great Robin Hood. "'If you are as poor as you say, then surely you need my master's charity. "'In fact, we will lend you some gold. "'We can't see the poor and needy suffering.' "'The priests seemed somewhat reticent. "'Then they seemed to be more reticent as they rather rudely tried to run away. "'They were prevented from carrying out their hasty plan by Friar Tuck's mighty arms.' He grabbed both of them by their collars and forced them back down to the ground. "'Oh, dear,' said the friar, in a voice noticeably lacking in warmth. "'I fear you have demonstrated your lack of truthfulness. "'It's time for me to hear your confession. "'You told me you had no money, and yet you tried to run. "'We must all cleanse our souls. "'We will kneel together and pray that money for the release of our great king will come to us.' "'With that, Friar Tuck began to conduct a service.' With gusto he prayed and prayed. When he had finished, he spoke to the two priests. Now, let's see what riches our Lord has provided us with. We will search each other's pockets and see what God has given us. You may search my pockets first, and then I will search yours. With trembling hands, the priests searched the enormous friar. They found nothing. When he turned out their pockets, though, the story was very different. Six hundred gold coins clattered to the sun-baked earth of the forest floor. "'Praise be!' exclaimed the friar. "'Look what the Lord has provided. "'I will take it and add it to the fund raised to save the king. "'Here, you may keep one gold piece each. "'Now get out of my sight before I remove your heads from your shoulders.' "'The two priests needed no further invitation. "'In a matter of milliseconds, they were mounted and off. "'Friar Tuck stood up, pleased with a job well done. "'He was about to walk back to the glade, laden with gold.' when he heard the unmistakable sound of uncontrolled giggling. Come out, Will Scarlet, I'd know that cackle anywhere. Will Scarlet, cheeks wet with tears, walked into view. He was followed by Robin and the rest of the travellers from Wakefield. Aha, Robin Hood, look what I have for you. The friar presented the 600 gold coins. Brother Michael, you are by far the best robber we have, laughed Robin. I commend you on your skills, but look what I bring. May I introduce the latest addition to our band of merry men? Georgia Green, the pinner of Wakefield, and his wife-to-be, Beatrice. Welcome, said Friar Tuck to George. Come back with us to Robber's Glade. There I will say mass for you, and more importantly, feed you my best venison pie. I have to say I'm about to faint with hunger. And when we're done, I'll perform the marriage ceremony for the two of you. Georgia Green looked at the fat friar, and thought he didn't seem to be one to go hungry. 
Then he smiled and followed Friar Tuck into the forest. Robin Hood came next, and then the rest. Will Scarlet laughed all the way to Robber's Glade. Next time, Eleanor Dale, the shelterer of the travellers from Wakefield, will require Robin's help. If you're enjoying the podcast, then please go down to www.mythandhistory2.podbean.com. If you'd like to give some feedback, or just ask some questions, then please contact me, mythandhistory at gmail.com, or friend me on Facebook, Paul Vincent Myth and History. On the website is a donation button. This podcast is, and will always remain, free, but any donations are, of course, gratefully received. So, have a great couple of weeks, and I'll speak to you next time.